Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. So grateful that you're tuning in today. want to welcome our folks who watch us on YouTube. You may be listening to us on Mango Radio here in the Philippines or listening through our podcasts, all called Revival Cry. And we are so thankful that you would choose to subscribe, follow, and listen to these messages that we're sharing in interviews. Today, I'm super excited because I have our eldest daughter, Sierra Miller, who is going to share some of her story today with us. Sierra, would you say hi to everybody? Hello. (laughs) So those of you who cannot see us, she is extremely beautiful, just like her mother. And she is single, but you guys better back off, okay? (laughs) I'm her dad. Anyhow, no, we're, we're just so thankful for what God's been doing in Sierra's life. And we want to talk about some of that today. Sierra, I remember that you were born June 12th, 1998. And you were born in Salisbury, Maryland. And then we moved to the Philippines. We, well, we went to the Brownsville Revival. And you were a revival baby. You were, I remember she would set up her dolls and pray over her dolls. Fire, fire, fire. You know, praying that God would touch her dolls in the name of Jesus. But that's how you train up your children, right? But being in that environment, you know, in five years, four and a half million people come to the doors of that church. We see so many radical lives change. And even though you were a little girl at that time, I really believe the Lord had his hand upon your life. So much so that when I graduated from the Brownsville School Ministry, your mom was working at the church in the children's ministry. We began to feel called to the Philippines as missionaries. And so at first, your mom was working, I was staying at home with you, And one of the things that I really felt like the Lord wanted us to do was to teach you how to hear God's voice at such a young age. And I was wondering, how do you teach a a child, you know, a two-year-old, how to hear God's voice? And that was quite a challenge. So we would sit you in a chair and say, Sierra, okay. We're going to follow the scripture today in Psalm 46. It says, be still and know that I am God. Now, folks, if you know anything about raising children, a two-year-old to sit still is pretty difficult. So she would sit down in that chair and she would 
move her legs around and <laughs> flop her hands and laugh and smile. And I would say, okay, Sierra, let's sit in a chair just for, for 30 seconds. And I want you to be completely quiet and still. Okay, Daddy, I'll do that. And you would do that. And do you know that we eventually worked up to a minute, two minutes, three, four, five minutes? I remember us working up to like 15 minutes where as a young girl, you would sit still and learn the value of sitting still would help you to hear God's voice. And as you grew up, we moved to the Philippines. We didn't realize that the significance of your name. What does Sierra Marguerite mean? Black pearl. I have my black pearl. My black pearl earrings. You have them in right now. And that's significant, folks, because people call the Philippines the Pearl of the Orient, and we had no idea that we'd ever be missionaries in the Philippines. And so when we first came to check out the city of Davao, felt like God was calling us here with four other families, we said, you know, Lord, give us a sign of some sort that you have called us to this place. And to our shock, there were two significant things we noticed. Number one, in, off the coast of Davao City, there's an island called Samal. And in Samal, there are specifically found black pearls. And then we didn't realize that because you were born on June 12, 1998, that was the Philippines' 100-year anniversary as a nation. It was their centennial. And she was born on the day. So those two things alone, and there were other things that God said to give us confirmation, but we knew that you were called to be a pearl in the Orient. Not only the Philippines, but as we're talking onward today, even about Japan. What was it like for you to grow up as a missionary kid here in the Philippines? I think it's kind of hard to answer that question because when you've grown up in something, you don't really think of it as different. Right. Maybe if I'd come later when I was like 12, it would have been like, oh, it's it's different from America. But it was just like, this is home. This right. is where I grew up. Yeah. So you look at Davao City as your home. Yeah. And so when you came here, when would you say that you began to sense that you need to surrender your life to Jesus? I think probably 12 till around my teen years is when I really started to take responsibility for my faith and hmm. connect with God on a more personal level. So there were foundations. Obviously, your dad's a preacher. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, your mom, you're homeschooled. So you're inundated with the scriptures, Bible, um, you know, church, worship music. That was our lifestyle. Mm. But do you ever feel like we were forcing you to follow Jesus? No, I mean, you always taught us to go to God ourselves and to, mm. like, see if what we were learning was really from God. So I think that was a good foundation, too, because even when you guys say things, like, we know to compare it with Scripture. That's awesome. And that's really essential when we were trying to teach you how to hear God's voice. 
Because as you learn how to wait upon the Lord and still yourself, then when you read the scripture and you meditate on the word of God and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, you've been trained in a way that you should go. So that when you get old, you won't older, you wouldn't depart. And it's always been our goal. We we have five children, Sierra being the eldest, and all five of our kids love the Lord. And we've taught all of them how to wait upon the Lord, how to listen to his voice, how to value his word. They need to have their own encounter with God. They're not Christians because their parents are Christians. And we don't bring them to church and say to the pastor, you know, help get my son or daughter saved, you know, and and grow in the Lord. Because as parents, we felt that responsibility. And we weren't perfect. You, You know a lot of our dirty laundry and things behind the scenes. But the fact is, Sierra, I've noticed... Your mom and I have noticed over the years how you have inclined your ear to the Lord. And you took up writing. What was it about reading and writing that really you loved? I don't think I really thought of it as anything more than something I like to do. I was like maybe nine years old when I picked up a notebook and I was like, I started writing a story and then it got longer and longer. And then I wanted to write more stories. So my grandmother mentored me with like editing and kind of telling stories in a way that people can understand so it it kind of started from there no that's really awesome and just seeing how you would develop you you were not really interested in the athletics no. i remember <laughs> i remember as a as a kid i you know and me growing up i love basketball and so i thought well maybe she'd want to get involved with some sports and we had, you know, the Faith Academy here in Davao City where a lot of missionary kids go. But we felt like your mom was supposed to stay home and, and homeschool. And yet we're like, well, how do we get you involved socially and things like that? So we took you to like basketball camps and soccer camps and baseball camps. And I remember looking at you in the grass, picking the flowers, bored out of your mind, I said to Casey, this young lady will never get involved with sports. <laughs> I don't think she cares about it at all. But in the long run, we come to find out that you actually began to develop a desire for running. And you did it for exercise at first. Is that correct? I may have run on and off I don't remember I was kind of into CrossFit and then I got invited to run a race on Selma Island with some missionary ladies I was like mom I don't know if I want to do this and she's like well you never have to do it again so I was like okay fine so (laughs) I started running and passing people and then at the end I was like I got second place and I was like I want to do this again I like this feeling of winning wow so you began running in the place where we lived at the time And people would notice how intense you were. You know, I had a friend, Wesley, who said, man, is that your daughter running? And I go, oh, yeah, she loves to run. And he goes, she's so intense. I said, hi, and she didn't even see me. She was so focused. But yet there was something developing in your heart. And you began running, you began entering races, and you came in second, and I think you came in some first place. And You what? had 21K and a few other things. Yeah, just a 21K, <laughs> you know. I, I hate to run unless somebody's chasing me, folks. But this young lady is running a 5K, 
10K, 21K, and that's incredible as a teenager. Little did we realize, and we're leading up to this right now because it has everything to do with Sierra's calling and the vision that she has. We were going to Japan since you were 14 years old, just going on short-term trips once a year. And sometimes it would be me and you or all of our family. But going on those early trips, what was God doing in your heart for Japan? I think it was giving me a bigger vision because if I'd just grown up in the Philippines, that's, I mean, it's in Asia, but it's a separate culture still. But if I go to another part of Asia, I get a different cultural experience. I see how believers do things over there as opposed to where I grew up. And what about the Japanese culture do you love? Wow, there's there's a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I guess like a really basic one. I love how they're organized, but um, yeah. I just love them as a people. Like I don't know if I know how to quite articulate it just yet, but sure. I've just like grown to love them more and more over the years. Visiting, developing relationships. So in all this going on in her life, eventually it's time for Sierra to go to college. And we're looking into schools in the U.S. and all these schools are super expensive. I think we looked at like three or four colleges when we were like a short-term visit back. And the most expensive college is the one that Sierra feels called to. And I'm thinking to my wife, man, we're on a missionary budget. What's going on here? But we know we have a big God. And so we're, we're thinking we don't have the money for college but we feel like Sierra's gifting with um, teaching, um, English, writing, reading, all of these things are going to lead her and become a part of her calling. So we felt like it was important for her to go to university. And she ends up going to Regent University. But tell them how you got the scholarship. So mom knew that I was interested in running. We didn't know anything about college athletics, but my mom's the kind who's like, well, if you like something, just let's take the crazy plunge. So we went to talk with the coaches and they were, visited the campus. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they were really like um, trying to set a prayer foundation for their program. So when I came, they'd already been praying into it. And we told them about how I was interested in distance running. And they're like, well, we need some girls to run distance. Like, their distance program wow. was lacking, and it, it kind of still is. So if somebody wants to run it, go to Regent. Um, yeah, so <laughs> when Mom told them I was interested in running, we talked about it a bit, and they were like, okay, could you go out for a second? We're just going to, like, talk Okay, and I'm going to stop you there a second. <laughs> because at that point, she had never been formally coached or no. really on a <laughs> team for an athletic team. And so she was running, keeping her own times, entering races here in the Philippines. But you're talking about in America, it's, it's very competitive. And yeah. it just so happened the time that she's going to college and looking in the schools that Regent University wants to start their running athletic program. And so you talk, you're talking with the coach and the athletic director mm -hmm. They say they want to take a moment by themselves and ask yeah. you and mom to go outside the door. And then what happens when they bring you back in? 
So when we went in, they felt like the Lord was saying, not only should I be on the team, but they wanted to give me a full tuition scholarship. A full so. <laughs> tuition. It's incredible. And why are we sharing these stories? Because, friend, I want you to see that it began by Sierra listening to the voice of God. It began by her parents modeling and, and us getting other people involved with her life that would encourage and help support and hold up her arms. Ultimately, by hearing the voice of the Lord and developing her character, personality, and, and all that the Lord was doing in her heart, he leads her to this university, as I said, was the most expensive one, but yet they give her a full scholarship. And I think it was worth over $100,000, right? The, it's pretty expensive. Yeah. It was. It was around. It was like eighty to a hundred thousand, which is an incredible amount of money that we didn't have. But yet the Holy Spirit knew what He was doing, and so you go to Regent, you enter on the team, and you become the top female runner. And you are. But tell us about some of the experiences and things that you accomplished there. There was actually a season where I was doing okay, like I was hitting PRs and stuff, but I wasn't quite where I wanted PRs to be. PRs are? Uh, personal records and okay. running in, I guess in Europe it would be PB, personal best. But um, I was in a season where like people were coming and going, there were some shifts in the coaching, a lot of changes happened, and I was like, well, I'd really like to go to nationals, but I'm not quite there yet yeah so i actually prayed into it i was like well the lord can always say no but he can't say yes to something i don't ask so three years of like you know competing and just kind of filling that slot of being the distance girl and a team full of guys and there was this point where i just started to like hit these fast times that i'd never hit before and i surprised my coach too and he was like wow <laughs> you you've really been working over the summer haven't you and so wow. from there, I started getting faster and um, hitting some really good PRs. And finally, I was ready to go to nationals. So that was amazing. Like right before I graduated, God started to answer that prayer. So, so you end amazing. up going to nationals. Yeah, twice. <laughs> twice. Incredible. You know, it reminds me of who's the famous Olympic runner, Eric Little. Yeah. Right? And he said, when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. And, friend, we want to encourage you to do what God's called you to do. But we can't tell you what God's calling you to do unless you learn how to be still and know how to hear his voice and, and know that he's God. You know, all these things that are happening. You know, we got trophies all over the house. We got medals and things like that. But that was never in the picture because as a young lady, she didn't seem interested in any type of sports. But the moment that she just kept following the voice of the Holy Spirit, God led her into getting a full scholarship, even become a, a, a runner that went to nationals. But even then still, you graduated with a degree in... English. In teaching English. You want to teach English? It was the just the basic English degree, but yeah, I can use it to teach English. And yet this desire to always want to be a missionary in Japan, it never left you. No, I mean, there were times where I was like, oh, with COVID and everything, how am I going to get back? And then I'd be like, okay, well, I, I can't go back. I, home is in the Philippines and I can't go there, so I might as well just keep moving forward and see what the Lord does. Right. 
And so it's looking like, how's this going to happen? But then you graduate, and then we start looking into, you know, what's next for Sierra. And one of those things is you became a missionary with the same organization we are with, Fire International. And it's really cool because you're a second-generation missionary, and we never forced you to become a missionary. You know, that was something that came from your heart. But the the legacy of the Brownsville Revival, of what Jesus did in the Brownsville Revival, the lives that he changed, including your mom and I, we see that fruit in you. We see those seeds in you. And we're... Our desire has always been that our ceiling would become our kids' floor, right? Even those we pour into and and disciples that we spend time with, we want them to go farther than we have. And so it's been really encouraging to see how far the Lord has brought you and where he's leading you into. So you're going to Japan at the end of March, March 21st, we're all going together. What do you think it's going to be like when you get off the plane in Japan? I mean, you've been there many times, <laughs> but now you're going to live there. Yeah, um, I'm excited. I mean, I know there's going to be culture shock. I'm going to have to navigate the language a bit, but I, I really feel like it's going to be worth it because like, sometimes you have an interest in something. And you're like, man, I really love to do this, and it just kind of like you forget about it two weeks later, but this is something that stuck with me for 10 years. And I really believe the Lord is going to give me that endurance through the good seasons and the bad seasons. So yeah, I'm ready for this. (laughs) And that's so awesome. And you have actually learned some Japanese. How did you learn Japanese over the years of what you know so far? I actually learned two of the alphabets through um, some missionaries that came to visit us. My missionary things are, yeah, they were missionaries from Japan, and that's where my missions thing started. So they taught me um, the two alphabets. I'm still working on the big one, kanji, but uh, we'll get there. And then I'm actually practicing language with a tutor, like speaking, the speaking portion. I'm practicing with a tutor right now and a Japanese girl who would like to be a missionary to the Philippines, so we'll tag team. (laughs) Amazing. It's so exciting to see this development. You know, as a parent, you know, maybe as a coach, whatever, you know, there's no greater joy than seeing how the young people develop into the destiny and the plan that God has for their lives. And I think there's so much more that you'll do, but this is all part of the plan, you know, and to know that you're in the center of the will of God, my friend, that's where we want to be. And Jesus does have a plan for your life. You might be listening, thinking, man, I, you know, my family life was so messed up and, you know, I didn't do well in school. I got in all kinds of trouble and things like that. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you just stop and be still and know that he's God and put your trust in Jesus, I promise you that God will take a hold of your life and he will cultivate your heart, your mind to be ready to fulfill the plans and the destiny, the calling that he has for your life. Nothing is impossible if we believe. How do you think faith is going to play into what you want to see God do through you in Japan? 
I think faith is the only thing that would work in Japan because sometimes you can go to countries and they have a basis for Christianity. Japan does not really have that base. So anything that they receive as far as salvations and all that, it has to come from God. It has to be an encounter with God. It, like the religious thing doesn't work in Japan like yeah. it does in some places. So I really do have to have faith that God is who he says he is in a culture that is not Christian at all. So it's less than one, possibly two percent Christian. And I've heard statistics that that includes all Catholic groups, all Protestant evangelical groups, and then even like cults like Mormons and Jehovah's Witness, you know, which we don't agree those are Christian. But I guess we're trying to paint a picture to our listeners that the need is great. There's such a famine of the Word of God there. And so you going to be the, the Bible that some people who have never read the Word of God, you know, you going to represent and be an ambassador for Jesus Christ in that nation is a huge deal. And I, you know, we have incredible relationships there. with, And there are some amazing churches that we've grown to just love and they're like family to us. But what are you going over to do there? Has, what kind of doors have opened up for you? So actually, all of my connections have come from the local people. I haven't had to really, like, go and start anything new, which is, I'm cool with that. I want to just work alongside the believers there. Um, but actually, the job that I'm going to have right now, the English teaching job, someone who got me connected with Miyazaki where I'm going, she's the one who was like, hey, there's this American girl who's getting a degree and she got me connected with them. Wow. So, yeah. So you're going really to teach cool. English to little people. Little kids, yeah. Little kids. <laughs> and that's amazing. And and you're learning Japanese now and they're going to be providing your salary and and things like that. And you have a local church that is like family to us. Mm-hmm. And wow, it's amazing the doors that the Lord is opening. What are some things that you would like to see God do in Japan? I think the biggest thing right now is an issue of identity because Japan has been around for thousands of years. They have a very, um, their culture is very ingrained with their people and their society, but then there's also like the pressure of like, you know, westernization. So I think I'd really like to see them establish their identity, like an identity for this generation. So their identity in Christ, knowing who they are as a son or as a daughter, as even a nation, you know, that God has set them apart. I, I know that Japan has one of the highest suicide rates in the world. And it's very sad because here are people that are known for being extremely intelligent, uh, technology, being very efficient, industrious, and yet... There's so much depression and hopelessness and loneliness. And like you said, I think that narrows down to identity issues. You know, because if we know who we are in Christ, our purpose is not fulfilled by how much we make as far as money or what we own or what title we have, because those things can come and go. I remember ministering in Japan one year and we ministered at a homeless shelter. You know, we come from the Philippines, and and there's a lot of poverty here in the Philippines. And Filipinos are extremely resilient. 
You know, they're they're so strong and efficient despite the challenges and struggle. And you go to Japan and and it's not poverty like the Philippines, but yet there is hopelessness and pain and and you know if I messed up, I didn't do something right for my family, then I need to cut myself off from my family. And we've met like 250 homeless Japanese men. I don't know if you were there or if you remember that, but I remember it was heartbreaking to hear the stories of some of these men were multimillionaires. Then they lost everything and they're finding them themselves living on the street. And this homeless ministry invites them, feeds them, and then tells them about Jesus. And now they begin to have some type of hope again. Oh, that's so good, Sierra. I, I believe God's calling you to go bring hope to that nation. To bring, uh, to inspire people to dream again. To, to share your testimony with them. You know, sometimes we think we that in order to have a good testimony, we got to say, well, I was a... I was a drug addict for 50 years, and I was a prostitute, and I was, uh, all these terrible things have to happen, but I find the most incredible stories, testimonies from people's lives, are those who've stayed devoted to the Lord their whole life. And even though you said you had an encounter with God when you were in your teen years, it's literally amazing to see how God can take us and form us to become who he ordained us to be. Is there anything else as we're coming down to the close of our show today? Is there anything on your heart that the Lord's been speaking to you about in regards to what we're talking about today? I think the biggest thing that's been on my heart is that people would not look at me and see that I have the title missionary and think, oh, she's just, she's out there. That's good for her because I, I don't like to speak in front of people. So with every step that I'm taking, I'm trusting that the Lord is going to help me articulate the gospel to people. I'm not like the charismatic personality that can just get away with talking (laughs) to people. I need the Lord. So if I can do it, you can do it. You have no excuse. (laughs) That's awesome. Folks, you heard it right there from Sierra Miller. If she can do it, you can do it as well. Sierra, we're so proud of you, and we're amazed at what God's doing. Folks, if you would like to pray for Sierra, I would ask that you'd write her name down. She spells her name C-I-E-R-A, Sierra Miller. And we're going to give you a little contact information. If you'd like to pray for her or support, maybe receive her newsletter, you can go to www.fire-international.org slash Miller-Sierra, C-I-E-R-A. We're going to have that written down for you as well. And you can contact her at email cmm crazylove at gmail.com Thank you for listening today. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.